I'm Sam Clements, and welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. This is a podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime and is entirely curated by guests on this podcast. Today, we're joined by May Martin, comedian, actor, writer, podcaster. Have I left anything out, May? No, that sounds pretty comprehensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a broad spectrum of skills. Thanks. <laughs> Which one do you feel like you most associate with? I guess comedian, because I've been, I started doing comedy when I was about 13, so it's been almost 20 years, so that feels like it's in my DNA now, and stand-up is it's a real passion, so maybe comedian, and then, oh, did you ask me to rank them? I'm going to rank them, then writer, then actor. You also wrote a book, you made podcasts, yeah. like, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the book is for teens, but you could read it at any age, right, I suppose. As well as all of the other things that we just talked about, you, you've you just made a TV show called Feel Good. Yeah, we finished the edit in August, so I've been sitting on it, excited for it to come out, so I can't believe it's finally happening. Oh, wow, that's a, that's a long time to wait. I know, I feel like I've been in a in a bubble, in a vacuum since <laughs> then, just or I was saying to someone else that I feel like I'm in a, I've been in a queue for a self-esteem firing squad, that's how I feel. <laughs> It must be kind of nice, though. It sort of reminds me of if you're doing your homework and, you know, you get it done really early. Yeah, that's like true. Like, it's ready. Yeah. It's done. True. It can, co- it can be on TV tomorrow. <laughs> I know, but then the worst is when you have a, you get an idea two months later and think, oh, fuck, I wish I could go back in and tweak <laughs> it, but it's too late. It's locked. We're recording this before it's, it's aired. How do you feel right now before, you know, you're about to release it? It's quite a vulnerable feeling, I think. Yeah, it's really scary. But then... It, it's been, I've been really pleasantly surprised by the, just the, the people who have seen it. The reaction's been great and, and, and people are connecting with different things that I didn't expect and finding things that they connect with. So yeah, I'm pleased. When someone gives you feedback on it, that's like, that was your intention. It's very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And I feel like like watching it uh, last night, I saw two episodes. Yeah. I had a really good time watching it. Oh, Can't good. wait to see the other, I think there's six episodes. There's six, yep, six bingeable, I hope. But I think it's it's about, you know, like relationships, which yeah. are very universal, even though it's about, you know, from your experience yeah. uh, for a lot of it, you still find things connect to you. Like I really, I could see myself in some elements of that. Oh, great. And and I think like that's going to connect with people. Yeah, there couldn't be anything more universal than, than love, I guess. And and relationships. I've always found that the more specific I am and the more I think I'm revealing some weird personal quirk, then the more people relate to it and are like, oh my God, me too. So that's true in stand-up and I hope it's true in this because, yeah, on the surface, it's a really specific story about a, you know, recovering drug addict comedian in a relationship with someone who's previously been straight and is struggling with that. Very specific, but all those big themes like intimacy and, you know, authenticity and, and addiction I think people can relate to. So, yeah, I think authentic is the right word. Like these, yeah. they, they're, they're so real. Oh, good. And they, they do feel like, I just want to follow them for, you know, not just the duration of the TV show, but I want to know what happens next. Oh, you know? I know. <laughs> yeah, well, we're thinking about the future, so fingers crossed. Yeah, I think I know where I want the characters to go, so we'll see. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I'm really glad, I guess, because it's such a troubled relationship at the center of it, but I really want people to root for them as well. And I think it would be really unpleasant to watch a couple that's just like, you're like, they hate each other. Yeah, I hope that people really root for them, even though you're not really sure when you're watching it if they should be together, if they bring mm. out the best in each other. 
I think, I hope that people are like, God, I just want to see them fix it, you know? The couple get together quite early on episode one. Yeah. And so like, you know, it would just kind of be boring if they just had this amazing, they yeah. do have an amazing relationship, but, but there's yeah. drama. Oh yeah, big and that drama. And people <laughs> keeps people hooked. Yeah. We tried to make sure it was not just a comedy with some dramatic moments or drama with some comedic moments, but mm. like a really comedy drama in the truest sense where it, even within a scene it can suddenly be poignant and then funny and i think that's what life is like right i've had i've been in the middle of like huge arguments or breakups even and then someone says something funny and you laugh for a second and then you know or i've been on with people on their deathbeds and they're they're making jokes like it's life is like that was it hard to find the because like when you described the show you know very serious issues but there is there's jokes throughout was it hard to always sort of find the joke for the sort of situation no, I think my my co-writer Joe is is so good at that as well, and and we have a, a I want this is pretentious, but I was going to say palette that <laughs> like is very similar in terms of just phrasing and words that we find funny. Like Joe in particular finds he loves snakes, eels, James Bond, crisps, limes. These are words that he just finds inherently funny, and uh, so we snuck them in a lot and just tried to undercut every every moment. So you never know really what's coming next. That sounds like a fun way to work. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> the scene just needs some more limes. Yes. Exactly. Put some, <laughs> something about limes. It sort of has a rom-com sort of structure, but it's just a kind of a different type of rom-com. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, that's it. That's the dream. I, I love rom-coms. I just don't think people are making them enough. Yeah. Uh, so I think something like this is is just sort of like a beacon for me. Like, yes, I need to watch a show. <laughs> yeah, I love rom-coms, but I, the only thing I don't like about them is the is when you you know in the first five minutes how it's going to end. So mm. I think that's what we tried to do to, uh, yeah, always subvert those tropes because those tropes work and, and you want to see someone running to, to a hospital to, you know, or to an airport. To, you know, those things so work and they're for a reason. But yeah, try to flip them on their heads a bit, I think. Yeah. How did you find acting? I loved it. Yeah, I found it very scary and vulnerable and expressing my emotions without irony was tricky. <laughs> and uh, But I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I was really lucky that our director was someone that I, I've known since I was 19. This oh. um, amazing woman, Ali Pankew, she made me feel really comfortable. And I just surrounded myself with these incredibly talented actors too, like Charlotte Ritchie and Ophelia Loverbond, Sophie Thompson and Lisa Kudrow, like just incredible. You had a, the same director for the whole series as well. Yeah. Uh, so that must have, I guess you get to, you have a relationship with them, a professional relationship, and it must have felt a bit like shooting a film yeah. rather than like individual episodes. Yeah, we didn't shoot in sequence, but yeah, we were up in, in Manchester for six weeks or seven weeks. So it had a kind of summer camp vibe where we all like bedded down and got into it. Not bedded down, <laughs> <laughs> like... Yeah, we hung out a lot, and so that was nice. We did a lot of escape rooms. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a big escape room fan. And we did the Crystal Maze experience in Manchester. I'm very... I, I mean, I love that show. Yeah, Would same. love to do the, the Crystal Maze experience. I'm a huge Richard O'Brien fan. Actually, he was my grandmother's client. She was an agent in London, and Richard O'Brien was her client. And my grandfather played the narrator uh, in Rocky Horror Picture Show on stage in its first incarnation. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this is filtered into you kicking ass at the Crystal Maze experience. I actually failed miserably. <laughs> I was so pathetic and worthless and useless, like a worm. <laughs> I didn't win any crystals. I, I did the whole thing to impress Charlotte and my um, director and Joe, and uh, I ended up just degrading myself. Hi, I'm May. 
I may, I'm an addict. How's everyone feeling? You good? Yeah. Are you ready for the next act? Please give it up for May Martin! Hi guys, I'm from Canada. I came over in a canoe recently with Celine Dion. <laughs> Hi. Hi. How, how are you? Do you? Who are you? Uh, I'm George. Do you like films? Do you want to kiss me, mate? Oh, that, that would be so cool. Now? Yes. You mentioned the cast, like they are incredible. Charlotte Ritchie is, you've got such great chemistry on screen. Thank you. Do you how did you prepare for the role? Like, did you have time together before you were shooting? Yeah, we had lots of time. I know her, I, I knew her, I met her in 2012, the same year I met Joe, actually. So we knew each other a bit. We had a bunch of coffees and been at the same parties and, and hung out. And then we did a pilot in 2017. So that was helpful to get over a lot of the nerves and... Mm get to know each other and find our our dynamic and and the, find the dynamic of that relationship and then we had a long rehearsal period where we had I think about two weeks just the two of us oh, nice. <laughs> uh, and the director and Joe so the mm. four of us in this dirty old room in a church and we just uh, we got, it got quite you know we got into it we, we just really we went through the whole series multiple times almost oh, like wow. it was a, a three-hour play and uh yeah, it was good, helpful. So by the time we came to film, I was I was chill. That's like amazing prep. Yeah, uh, you often hear TVs very quick, uh, well, quick this... turnaround, and there's no rehearsals. <laughs> I know. I think this is the benefit of the fact that Joe and I were new to this because we didn't realize that. I think that's absolutely insane. Because yeah, Charlotte was saying often with Call the Midwife, she'd only get yeah no rehearsals or if or you know a read through or something. But I, I just assumed it was like a play. The, the, yeah, because it's so good to get out of the way worrying about remembering your lines or or comfort levels and so then by the time you do it you're just worrying about listening to the other person and it's like thinking how you can tweak it like, yeah okay i've got this down but actually what's that doing you totally. know what, what are we doing over there <laughs> yeah 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 i was really pleased to see al roberts in this also yes legend what a guy <laughs> from stafflet's flats and sheeps a big sheeps fan yes so nice as to, am i uh... <laughs> yeah i used to live with al briefly oh, well. and um he's the best he's so funny actually like I, I just want him to be like the new Ben Stiller. I think mm. he, he's like leading man material because he's incredibly funny. In the show, you've sort of cast him as a, he's a, he's a bit of a creep, a bit of a drip. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, yeah. kind of boring. When you go to him with this role, is he kind of like, oh, thanks. Yeah, when you're like, <laughs> really, have you in mind for this? Um, <laughs> no, I think he was into it. He immediately made it, made it his own as well. It was his choice to slick back his hair like that and, and, and I think he chose the clothes as well. But we did that a, a lot. Like at Jack Barry is in the show and we knew we wanted him to play it. So we just called the character Jack Barry <laughs> and wrote it in his voice. And that was kind of an insulting casting as well because the character is <laughs> it's just a, a complete idiot. But uh, that's not what Jack's like at all. But we knew that he'd be amazing at it. So I guess Lisa Kudrow is probably a different approach for casting her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we wrote with her in mind just because it's easier to write with someone in mind. And then we sent her the scripts kind of just a sh shot in the dark and then um, can't believe that she read them. And uh, yeah, just the fact that she read them was amazing. And the fact mm. that she wanted to do it was, she's been so supportive about the whole process and, and the show. And, and I really respect her opinion and I'm so chuffed. I just don't associate Lisa Kudrow with the UK. Yeah. So sort of seeing, you know, her essay in Blackpool yeah. is kind of mind blowing. I know. I don't <laughs> think I don't think she spent much time in the in the UK, she said, or definitely not that part of the UK. What uh what went through your head when you like Kudra's a yes? <laughs> oh, you know what? I um 
my flatmate and I had this agreement because we were waiting to hear. We knew she was interested. And then it was like a case of will it work with timing. And, and so there were about two weeks where we were, I was just on the edge of my seat waiting to hear if she would do it. And then my, my flatmate said, if she says yes, we'll go as a celebration to this restaurant, Prawn on the Lawn, <laughs> which was like this <laughs> in Islington. So one day I, I was, it was very satisfying to be like, uh, Rosie, to my flatmate. And I was like, I booked Prawn on the Lawn. And she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then we went to prawn on the lawn. Wow, that sounds amazing. Had some prawns <laughs> and some fish. Yeah, it's our big celebratory thing. It's going to prawn on the lawn. Have you told Kudro about prawn on the lawn? I have not told Kudro about prawn on the lawn. Well, that's season two. Lisa <laughs> Kudro and prawn on the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> We're here to talk movies. Are you a cinema fan, generally speaking? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't love movies? It's crazy when people say they don't like films or they don't like, like the Beatles or something like that. It's like you're just trying to be contrary. And it's like such a broad statement. It's yeah, like, I don't like music. Printed words. Yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Like, okay. <laughs> Do you ever have runtimes in mind when you're thinking about what to watch? Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I hate to admit that I will sometimes avoid a three-hour film if because my attention span's getting shorter. I love really succinct storytelling. Mm. I mean, I guess that both have different benefits, but this film that we're going to talk about is my favorite film. So I just couldn't believe when I Googled it that it was, I think it's an hour and 29 minutes. So it's right on the cusp. So the perfect runtime, I would say. The perfect, <laughs> perfect runtime, yeah. Uh, so May, what did you choose for the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest? I chose Stand By Me. In a small, woodsy Oregon town, a group of friends, sensitive Gordy, tough guy Chris, flamboyant Teddy, and scaredy cat Vern are in search of a missing teenager's body. Wanting to be heroes in each other's and their hometown's eyes, they set out on an unforgettable two-day trek that turns into an odyssey of self-discovery. When they encounter the town's knife-wielding hoods, the boys discover a strength they never knew they had. Ooh. It's a classic coming-of-age story, and I remember seeing it. At, I think when I saw it, I was the age of the boys in the film. Oh, wow. Yeah, about 12 or something, and I just became absolutely obsessed by it. And yeah, really related to the boys. Desperately wanted to be Chris Chambers, played by River Phoenix. I mean, what a cool kid. In his white t-shirt, pack of smokes rolled into the sleeve, blue jeans, just an incredible screen presence. It's a period film. It's set in 1959, but it's made in the 80s. And it just feels like you wouldn't make a film like this now, even if it was set in 1959. Like, you wouldn't have a kid smoking. Yeah. Uh, and, like, some of the lines, like, they talk like kids. Yeah, and yeah, they're, yeah. like, sort of very sweet. They're having arguments about cartoon characters. Yeah. But they're also making, you know, your mum jokes. The, the balance is great. And actually, as a teenage boy, like, you, that's there yeah it's definitely around you even if it's not your individual experience yeah and and i mean teenage girls are like that too filthy and uh, yeah so it's i could talk about it forever where do i start like it's first of all those performances by those mm. kids which are so naturalistic and i guess that's partly because they cast to type mm. like you know that jerry o'connell as Vern was that annoying and uh they're, you know, they're always like, Vern, and like, oh, I forget the secret knock. He's so <laughs> annoying. And then, yeah, Corey Feldman, sort of troubled and chaotic performance. Gordy, the sweet. Uh, I mean, so apparently they went away before they filmed. They went for six weeks or something to a summer camp and just the, the four of them and the director and bonded. And, and it really shows their timing is amazing. And actually, when we were making Feel Good, I... I use that film as a reference because they do something that's amazing, which is they, they just don't cut. And there are these long scenes where the pacing of it 
is amazing and they, they don't cut at all and they're just walking down the train tracks and it'll be just this perfectly paced conversation between these kids. So I, I tried to have a couple of scenes like that. There's one with Charlotte and I where we're walking down the street and I definitely had Stand By Me in mind. Did you say we're doing the Stand By Me show, guys? Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Could he have gotten all the way from Chamberlain to Harlem? That's really far. Sure. He must have started walking on the train tracks and just followed them the whole way. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then after dark, train must have come along and I'll smack go. Yeah. Hey. Hey, you guys. I bet you anything that if we find him, we'll get our pictures in the paper. Yeah, yeah, we can even be on TV. Sure. We'll be heroes. Yeah. The performances are so strong. They really stand out. And it makes total sense that like, you would put that groundwork in. It sounds a bit like would feel good as well. Yeah. Like, actually, let's prepare. Let's get. Let's be ready for when we're shooting. Yeah. Because uh, they are just, they're, they're a tight group of friends. Yeah. And I think they were when they were filming and... Uh, then for sure if you're having a big shouting match there's there's going to be stuff in that relationship that you can use and and it feels a lot more poignant and real and there's oh, the, two scenes one where river phoenix breaks down and he's sitting up at night by the fire and talking about a time when he got blamed for stealing some money and and then he starts to cry oh my god it's so good and then also gordy has a similar breakdown moment it's just like i can't believe they didn't get Oscars. <laughs> yeah, like they're, they're kids. I think child performances are often like looked down unless, unless like they're, they're just a singular child, like yeah. in like the piano or yeah. Fly Away Home or something. Right. <laughs> but when it's a group of kids, it's like it's a kids' movie. Yeah. It's like, this is not a kids' movie. No, <laughs> no. And you got Kiefer Sutherland, such a good villain too, and so fit. And he's like Ace Merrill, I think is that character's name. He's so scary and good. All of the older kids have all got sort of great nicknames. Yeah. Like again, like you can sort of imagine that that happening. For me, it's like they're kids, but they have adult problems. Yeah. And that's the great sort of take on on this film, and that's why I think it resonates with so many people. Like I remember when I was watching it as a child, like I was just remembering like the arguments about Mickey Mouse and Superman. Yeah. And I didn't really con on to sort of like the dead brother, the problem with the parents. You know, people they're very self conscious kids. Yeah. And it was only later on I was like, oh wow, these are very very rich characters. Yeah, and they're they're so young but they've already in their small town they've already been put into boxes and and chris chambers says the way they think of my family in this town is the way they think of me and i'll I'll never i'll never get out of this town basically and it's so so moving the soundtrack is so good too i think oh that, that really adds to it <laughs> yeah unbelievable soundtrack and rob reiner is just such a good director and you look at his filmography it's so varied right when harry met sally spinal tap just incredible filmography. He's a big friend of the podcast in that he often makes films that are 90 minutes or under or slightly over. Harry Met Sally is like 93. Really? Kills me. Yeah. But Spinal <laughs> Tap we've already had on. It's like 86 minutes. Yeah, perfect. Wonderful. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> he knows God, how to tell good. these stories in yeah. such a limited runtime. And also that you're right about having a different experience watching this film as a kid than as an adult because as a kid I was, you know, the scene with the leeches, they get mm. leeches. That was so huge for me. And then now watching it, it's things like Richard Dreyfus playing Gordy grown up and he's he's reflecting on those friendships. And I think the last line in the film is you never have any friends later on, like the ones you have when you're 12. Jesus, does anyone or something like that? Yeah. And, and now, of course, I totally relate to that. Those summers that seemed endless and you do so much growing up over the course of a summer. And and yeah. That final line is one of the great final lines of cinema. I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And again, it carries different weight. Like when you're 12, you're like, no, these yeah. guys yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have better friends in the future. Also, I think, so unless I'm 
losing my mind, which is so possible. I <laughs> was watching it too. Mm -hmm. And I think they use the same house at the end and the same shot for he's he's finishing writing his book. And, and I think he's in the same study that Richard Dreyfus is in at the end of Stand By Me. Does that ring a bell? And then they sort of he sees the kids playing out his kids playing outside i think with um stephen king stuff it's also always set in a similar area so yeah. as a savvy film crew you might go well yeah. it's supposed to be this place totally so i i wouldn't put it pat and also because you know people who've watched Stand By Me now are making movies like if yeah. you're a stand by me fan if you're a stephen king fan yes i think any of those little easter eggs would probably go down my dream well. would be to film at that bridge that they use in stand by me for the 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 train dodge scene and you can go I, I went online and there is someone who's visited all the locations in stand by me and you can you can go there all in in oregon it looks beautiful i've never been to oregon yeah um, but uh this film really makes me want to go same and, and check it all out they've owned this they've made it you know we're the stand by me town they do a stand by me day really castle uh, rock is it year. or it's yeah, called it, castle rock in the film i don't know what it is and I think oh, in, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's just a fictional town in the film, like a yeah. small town, Castle Rock, which Rob Reiner later set up his production company and called it Castle Rock. Oh, really? Off the back of the success of this film. Because I think he was always thinking, like, I'm not really, like, a di film director guy. Like, yeah. he was doing a load of other stuff. Yeah. Um, and this film sort of solidified him because another director, Adrian Lyne, who did, like, Nine and a Half Weeks, was supposed to do this movie and, really? and left. And Rob Reiner was producing and he was like, I could direct i did spinal tap yeah <laughs> I did, you know so, so oh, he i sort didn't of stepped know in. that that's so interesting uh, so we were close to not having i guess it would be a totally different movie if uh, it would be totally different yeah because i think he really had a rapport with the kids too and got these incredible performances out of them there's a, a show on bbc right now called ladhood that liam williams made and there's a group of boys in that and I, and i think they're pretty amazing performances too i mean they're older they're, i think that cast is 1920, but they're playing younger. But yeah, it was reminiscent to me. Hello, I'm Martin Zotz-Orstwick. And I'm Sam Pei. And together we make a podcast called Song, Song by Song. Song. But we don't do it alone. Almost every week we have a guest. And we've had some wonderful guests, including writers John Ronson. John Hodgman. Simon Stevens. We've had uh, musicians Eliza Rickman. Uh, Jenny Conley-Drizos from The Decemberists. And Jeremy Wormsley and Elizabeth Sankey from Summer Camp. Uh, we've had podcasters Jenny Owen Youngs, Jeffrey Craner and Phoebe Judge. All sorts of people join us to talk about the music of Tom Waits. And if that sounds fun, why don't you join us too? You can do that at our website, songbysongpodcast.com, or search for Song by Song wherever you get your podcasts. Do you have a favorite line? Oh, yeah, film? so many. It's so quotable. Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood is pretty good. <laughs> and then uh, Chris Chambers says, whoever told you you had a fat one. Yeah. Says, Biggest one in four counties. I like when they're walking along in silence for a long time on the tracks. And then Gordy says to Chris, do you think I'm weird? And then Chris says, yeah, man, but everybody's weird. I don't know. It's just a very sweet moment. Well, that's kind of true. Like when a lot of the things they say, even if they are sort of goofy kind of, you know, kids phrases like it's true like yeah. he's right and it's like kids being really observant yeah kids lose everything unless someone's there to look out for them and if your parents are too f***ed up to do it maybe i should oh, that's what he says to gordy's the be i mean chris is the, such a heroic character there's so many things i heard when i was younger which come from this film which i didn't quite realize at the time yeah uh, i was like oh that's that that's what it was it's like yeah. a line from stand by me for some reason chopper sick balls was like a thing oh my god chopper people's... sick balls <laughs> and richard dreyfus's nasal voice too yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thus, uh, you would hear the dread cry, chopper and sick balls. Um, also, I really like that final line of, I never had any friends later on.
later on. Like the ones I had when I was 12. Jesus, does anyone? It's also just like the way they deliver their lines. Like, always smoke after a meal. Yeah. It's that's like, what, 12-year-old yeah. kids, like, <laughs> yeah, delivering yeah, that yeah. with authority. I love when they're, when they're pulling together their, um, their cash to see what food they can buy. And then Vern, they're like, seven cents, Vern. And he goes, oh, I brought the comb. Because he brought yeah. it. And what do you need a comb for? You haven't even got any hair. I brought it for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then he drops it off the bridge. Everybody involved loves this film. Rob Reiner said it's his favorite film he's made. Really? Stephen King says it's the first good adaptation of his work. Really? After like things like Carrie and Stanley Kubrick's The Shining That's, as well. I can't believe he doesn't like The Shining. I read that he doesn't like The Shining. He's not a fan. That's outrageous. <laughs> That's a must mean that they had a good experience on it too, those kids, which is a relief. You know, the fact that they're able to warmly remember it yeah you know don't like bitter often you're like oh no that was me as a kid like, you know talk about me now but yeah like, this is like i think they're just really proud of the work they did yeah and I it know. set their careers up I don't, I don't know if the, will wheaton does he act still he was in star trek for a really long time oh, okay. star trek next generation as kind of a teenager but i think after that he's become a bit of a personality i think he did a podcast oh, okay yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah i know he's at comic cons and stuff and yeah he's sort of embracing the nerd the yeah, nerd culture yeah good yeah <laughs> Now he said sick'em boy, but what I heard was chopper sick balls. What do you think about the pie eating contest a oh, scene, yeah. the, the larder scene? Well, it does take you right out of it. It's a, it's a really w interesting departure and it definitely appeals to a younger audience. And as mm. a kid, I mean that that when all, everybody starts throwing up and it's sort of contagious. I mean, Barfarama. The Barfarama, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I, if they made that movie today, they wouldn't include that scene. No. Probably. Absolutely. It's an odd, like I, it, again, like that skewed memory of a kid, but I was like, it's the film that's about the pie eating contest. Yeah. It's obviously not. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, now it feels like it's tonally so strange. Yeah, it is strange. I guess it, it, in a way it's about a sort of nerd's revenge and it's about someone who's ostracized and isolated, lard asses, and then he um, he triumphs. So thematically it's sort of in keeping and, and also that all the adults in it behave really badly like all the mm. pie eating judges are mocking him and tripping him up and trying to cheat and it's that awful uh, crowd in the audience who are uh, just like booing the whole time yeah exactly and i think that's all those kids feel that way like their parents are are mistreating them which they are and, and so that yeah it's in keeping with it but it is pretty wild it depicts Gordy's storytelling, yeah. which he's doing throughout the whole film, but it's like the only one where actually you're showing it on screen. Yeah, and also that reminds you that they're kids. It's so gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's so laughs> gross. Uh, but I sort of, yeah, sort of, I find it hard now to laugh so much at it. Yeah. Because uh, I just, it's not a particularly nice story, but the, No, um, and it's pretty fat phobic and not, not the best, but. Uh, but those, that, that vomit sequence. So even like you're making that film, like you're Rob Rainer, you're making this movie, you've been working with these amazing kids. And then there's like the few days where you have to go and do the pie eating contest yeah. and there's all the fake vomit in the vats or whatever. I know, I know. It's <laughs> like, weird. What are we making? <laughs> I know, really strange. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about in Booksmart, there's that scene uh, where they become Barbies, they become dolls. And oh, yeah. That's sort of like a weird departure into something more surreal. So it is like a almost a standalone sketch within yeah, a coming of age movie. And that one, I think that in that scene, that adds some extra gags to it and they make some really good points. Yeah. 
uh, in it. But yeah, no, you're right. I, I recently rewatched Booksmart and I totally forgot about that scene. It yeah. caught me by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I loved it. Did Another, you see that Obama said that that was one of his favorite films? I love his list. I know. Every single year, great. like what's going to be on the list. Yeah. And they are, a lot of them are in sync with my taste, which is really nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, but he sees some quite obscure films. Really? Some really hard to watch stuff. Oh, maybe uh, he's... So he's a, yeah, I think he's a bit of a film nerd. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. My favorite bit of trivia I found out uh, about this film is now the town they shot it in in 2013 has like installed a penny in the pavement oh, no where they way. shot that scene in the film. Where Vern finds the penny. Mm. So Vern's <sighs> penny is now like permanently there. That's incredible. Um, and it went in in 2015. So it's taken a while for yeah. the, them to do that. But now there is like a legit Stand By Me official tourist attraction. That's so nice to know that there's people like me in the world <laughs> who are like deeply passionate about this film and into the trivia. That's great. Cool. Have you read the Stephen King uh, novella? Yes, I have. Yeah, I have. And it's not dissimilar where some of the other adaptations are so far from his books and very strange, different to his other work. It's mm. it's the, I think, most autobiographical probably, although there's no dead body in real life. But he, yeah, he used that as a framework on which to hang his, his adolescent anxieties. And just like having in the, the sort of the writer character and, and maybe think yes. about what he was like as a kid and how he's grown up yeah i think rob reiner said the biggest thing he did was just f focus on one boy like he think he's gordy's his protagonist and he wanted to have Gord gordy to have like the biggest arc in the film yeah and that would make maybe like help the audience kind of you know follow the narrative and and, and have the emotions they need to have i think that totally worked i that's so smart yeah I think you do need that. It's like a little, just a little perspective change. I know. Kind of keeping everything else. Yeah, because you couldn't really, you don't have time to, get, I'd love to see Chris Chambers' horrible home life, but you don't really have time. So it's nice to just pick, like those flashbacks of Gordy's dead brother with John mm. Cusack playing him. It's, they're so poignant. <laughs> I, yeah, I totally forgot Cusack was in this. Yeah. Until I was like, oh, him, wow, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's packed, packed full of little Easter eggs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, just everyone should watch it. And that sound, yeah, that soundtrack off the chain. It's one of the best sort of film kind of like tie-in albums. Yeah. Like that, that is just a great playlist. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter it's in a film. That's just a great playlist of great songs. Good for a road trip. Mm. Yeah. I think also just because it's adapted from a, like a novella, it makes for a perfect under 90 minute film. Oh, that's Don't so true. Don't add any yeah. extra padding. Let's that's adapt a short so... story. We'll do it justice. Yeah. We can put everything in. That's such a good a point. Concise runtime. I'm going to Google, I'm going to read a bunch of novellas and then <laughs> I'll, I'll option the rights. Stand By Me is in the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival. Yes. At the screening, you can, you've got carte blanche to do whatever you like, to dress the cinema, to Ooh. get the audience warmed up for the movie. How would you like to sort of add an event to, to screening this film? Great question. Okay. I'd definitely play the soundtrack. I'd want to have like a bonfire in the cinema that everyone could sit around somehow. If, yeah, because there's something about when you're looking at a fire and every, you're having a conversation, but everyone's eyes are just on the fire and uh, it taps into some kind of primal storytelling thing. So yeah, bonfire, s soundtrack, um, just think a lot about River Phoenix and talk about him and how amazing he was. You know, maybe smoke cigarettes without all the stigma of today. <laughs> Sounds good. So you're going, it's kind of like a, you're going back to 1959. Yeah, I'm going totally immersive experience. Um, no health and safety regulations. No health and safety. You can have safety. a bonfire inside. Yeah, yeah. Smoke all your life. Give your kids a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd do. And if you could invite one special guest to introduce the film for us, who would you invite? Ah, oh, River Phoenix, if he was alive. But um, 
other than him, I'm not going to go with one of the other boys. I'm going to go Rob Reiner because I'd, I'd like to hear his. Uh, I mean, there's a great some stuff on YouTube, but uh, the making of mm. that, that interviews him. But I'd love to just love to meet that guy. That would be a, a legendary filmmaker. Yeah, uh, that'd be incredible. Yeah, and then you want Kiefer there just to intimidate people. You want him like leaning on the wall, having a cigarette. Kiefer Sutherland. Maybe we can get him to like work at the kiosk. Yeah. So you can have popcorn, but you gotta you, you gotta, gotta ask go through Kiefer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have his like slick back hair. My and, friend uh, was because Kiefer used to live in Toronto, and my friend one time was on Halloween trick-or-treating and she rang a doorbell and Kiefer Sutherland answered and she was a huge Stand By Me fan and she was so scared and uh, he was really nice apparently. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think this film could or should be longer than 90 minutes? No. If you can have the May Martin cut. No way, it's perfect. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect and it leaves stuff to the imagination. Like I, I love at the end when they all go to their respective homes and, and we don't see what that, those reunions are like with their parents or what the consequences are and we don't see where, where they live. I love that. We just see them walking off into the into the distance. I totally agree. I would... Uh, you wouldn't change to, it? Why would you, why would you mess with something that's perfect? Don't mess with a good thing. Yeah, I think it's making me want to watch it. I might rewatch it. We got a DVD. Let's just do it. I, I think I've seen it maybe a hundred times. I, wow. Yeah, because I make everyone that I date watch and I've dated 100 people. <laughs> but I, I make everyone that I date watch it for sure. Because it's so short. It's, it's so easy, short. Just put you know? it on, yeah. <laughs> But also people don't, if people are on their phones when I'm trying to show them a film, I get irate. Like I want full focus. Mm, I think a film like this, so you'll miss something nuanced and great. Yeah. You will care less about the characters if you're distracted by your phone. I know. I want you to get sucked into River's face. Thank you so much Thank uh, you. for putting Stand By Me in our festival. I'm so pleased it's there. If people want to find out what you're up to, May, where, do, where should they go? I'm on Twitter. I'm at the May Martin, at T-H-E, May Martin. I have a website, but it's not very good. I haven't updated it recently, but it's maymartin.net, and it's got live shows listed on there, and you can get tickets to stuff. And uh, yeah, just the social media, unfortunately, because it's ruining our lives. But It's got to be done. It's got to be done. <laughs> it's got to be done. Feel good. Uh, it will be, by the time this goes out, there'll be a box set on all four. People can binge. Yeah. Feel good. I hope people do binge it. I think it's best watched binged. <laughs> and for international <laughs> listeners, it's on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. That's kind of amazing. I know, it's really nuts. So wherever you are, watch Feel Good. And are you working on a new stand-up? Yeah, I'm working on a new hour of stand-up and touring that in, in April, May, June. That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to the show on your podcatcher of choice and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, as an independent podcast, it really helps. We're also available on 90minfilmfest.com. That's 90minfilmfest.com. You can contact us there or on Twitter and Instagram at 90minfilmfest. The show was produced by Louise Owen and me, Sam Clements. The show is edited by Louise Owen with sound mixing and additional editing by Luke Smith. Our music is by Martin Ostwick and our artwork is by Sam Gilby. We are a proud member of the Stripped Media Network. Do check out the other podcasts on the network on our show notes. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. member of the Stripped Media Network.